What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Guyao Now Show. I am your host, Bob McIntosh, and today I am super excited to have Justin Cross on. This is going to be a fascinating conversation. Buckle your seatbelts, drop in, because we're going to go from how this man literally lost everything. And I don't mean in the construct the constructor sense of, hey, I lost everything. No, literally lost his wife, his family, his friends. Literally everything in his life was given up by one decision that he made. How that decision affected him, how he lived in a life of fear, came out of that and is now helping people through the, his own journey and sharing what he's learned along the way. This is a super actionable, super emotional, I think, for me as well, um, a podcast, and I can't wait for you to, to check it out. So let's drop in and see what Justin has to say. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of the Get Out of Your Own Way Now show. Today, I am joined by Justin Cross. And uh, let's put it this way. Justin's story, the first time I heard it, was like captivating. Like, there's very few times that I can honestly say I'm sitting in a, in a crowd someplace and listening to someone and I get totally engrossed in what's going on that I forget whatever else is happening around me. And this is one of those few times. He was at an event that I was co-hosting and he got on stage and he was sharing a story. And I just remember thinking to myself, holy shit, like, what? <laughs> that was my reaction. And so um, I, I'm not gonna steal his story because it's his to tell. It's fantastic. And I think that there is a lot of lessons that each of us can learn in what he's gone through. And then more importantly, where he's at right now. Um, and I think that's the huge takeaway as always, which is, hey, listen, um, everyone's got a story. Everyone who's got some level of success, whether they're back on the bottom now or back on the top again, uh, has something to share. And each of us either listening or watching this can learn something from that. And so I'm excited to have uh, Justin on here sharing a story. What's up, buddy? How are you? It's so great to see you again, Bob. My oh my, it's been uh, since I believe Jamaica, since we've uh, been able to actually properly have a good time and also learn together and grow together. So yeah, hundred percent. So um, what I'd love for you to do is just tell everyone a little bit about what you're doing right now. And then let's dive into the, the story portion. Cause like I said, I think that's really where the beef of what they're going to, or the meat, the beef, the meat, the whatever, I don't know, the, the chicken, the, the pick, pick, pick your, uh, pick your flavoring comes in. Um, but yeah, just tell me a little bit about what you got going on now and then let's dive into your story and kind of where you went from there to here. Sure, Bob. Yeah. So I developed a program for business leaders that want to experience more fulfillment after success uh, because I noticed this sort of phenomenon in the marketplace that regardless of how much success you achieve, especially in a success-driven society, they, it does not necessarily equate to feeling fulfilled. And it's really bothered me for quite some time that you can shapeshift in and out of so many different identities through the life journey and sometimes be crushing it and other times be not exactly where you want to be, but still have this inner critic that's always telling you, you know, why am I not further along? You know, even though I'm successful, why am I not as successful as this person, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And like you, you do so well in a lot of your teachings, you talk about this, this simple feeling of being stuck. And a lot of that is so intimately connected to the mind. Right. And so I dedicated my life right now to determining what are the common denominators for the best ways to break through that mental barrier and so that's what I'm doing full time is, is coaching typically executives, you know, anywhere on the scale from startup entrepreneurs all the way to celebrities and everything in between to how can we get a framework of psychology to help us overcome oftentimes our own self. Yeah, that's and that's the whole point of this show. So this is why I'm happy you're here. So tell us a little bit about um, the journey from the beginning of, well, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, just if you're listening or watching, buckle in, stop what you're doing, focus, because this is going to be good, I promise. Uh, well, first things first, Bob, it's like you said, one of the most profound things about telling your own personal story is that you find out how many beautiful human beings have been through profound things of their own and gone through so many struggles. So uh, I speak to you today in humility, knowing that people have gone through their own variation of different types of traumas and, and different type of things that were almost insurmountable uh, to overcome. And in my particular case, uh, I was raised in a strict fundamentalist religion in what I would call a mainstream cult. And 
at the age of six years old, you know, I was knocking on doors and fully immersed in what I would consider to be brainwashed into a belief structure, into a belief system. And what that led me to do, Bob, was to build every bit of my existence around that which I knew. Okay. And so the strict rules would be as such that there would be no, you know, ability to celebrate holidays. You know, obviously your own birthday, of course, you can only marry people that are in your faith that you come up with. So your world is very small. Um, no college. So education was obviously an issue, you know, and trying and your jobs are very limited. No participation in politics. So you end up being kind of ostracized from that whole space. No military participation, um, no blood. So even if you you know get injured or something like that, you can't participate in any blood transfusions. And, you know, PG-13 movies would be controversial to some. And what happened with me, Bob, is I got to a point in my life where even though I was told I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can't do that, I started to initiate this process of evolution with myself saying, I don't know if I believe in this. And to give you an idea of how immersed I was in this lifestyle, I had a wife of nine years and a successful marriage, a custom built house, a thriving business, and everything in my world was only about how can I preach more and push this message further of this divine, you know, religious dogma that I believed in 110%. And one of the insights I want to share right now is how profound it is to find out that you don't know shit. <laughs> and so I say that to say that I got the privilege in my life journey of coming face to face with the idea that the arrogance and the framework that I had built of that which I believed to be the absolute truth, so much so that I would build my whole existence around it, I no longer believe is even close to the truth. And that's been helpful in many different ways. One or two that I would share with your listeners would be to just have this additional perspective around whatever your perspective is now to be easy with yourself to leave space for the idea that you could learn quite a bit more or that there is a whole other perspective out there for you that you're just not able to see at this time. Okay. Um, and so here I was with, you know, the ideal life, right. By any measure would be a success, a multi-million dollar real estate company I built from scratch. And let's be clear. My main reason for building my real estate empire was, so that my then wife could actually do what's called pioneer to spend 90 hours plus in the ministry of what we believed in. So we were even planning on doing international missionary work together, which demanded that you not have children. And so I even got, this is how crazy and extreme I was. I got a vasectomy so that I would not have children because I planned on having a bunch of children in this sort of new world order, right? That was coming mm -hmm. by this fanciful God that, that, that I believed in at the time. And so to, to put it lightly, I was immersed in this lifestyle and, and happy. And so therein lies an additional insight into our journey is that happiness, of course, is so relative to where you are and how you're feeling about life at that time. And so with a chance encounter with a dear friend of mine who was a mentor spiritually when I was coming up, we sat up late night one night and he shared some doubts with me because people always ask me 100% of the time, what made you leave? Okay. Because you're, you're, you're we're going to find out here in a few minutes is how hard it is to leave because your world gets flipped upside down. Okay. And so I started researching a lot of just fundamental things that started to erode the confidence I had in the actual teachings themselves. I'll just put it like that. And it's, it's a lot of stuff. It would be a 45 minute conversation to detail out all the ways that it fractured. But the point is, I recognized, Bob, that I would have to leave all of this behind at a great cost. And the cost would be losing my, my wife, losing my friends that I grew up with in the congregation, which were my brothers, you know, that's my people. And most importantly, losing my immediate family. And I have not spoken to them in now six years to put that in context. And it's extremely painful. And to be completely cut off or what's called shunned or disfellowshipped or excommunicated are some of the most popular terms. 
people are not aware in the social construct of how incredibly painful that is because for the people like myself that are unfortunately immersed into a whole world, when you get cut off from it, you're quite frankly lost. You don't know who to turn to. And for people listening to this today that potentially feel broken or feel stuck, as you would say, Bob, or feel like they're just at this rock bottom place where in my case, I didn't even know how to reach out to a Bob McIntosh because you were what's called a worldly person according to my faith back in the day, right? So what that meant was that you were aligned with the devil. And so association with you or this podcast or anything like this was not within the confines of the teachings of, of what I was raised to believe is the authority and the truth, okay? So I didn't even know the mechanism to reach out for help because there was nobody to turn to and I couldn't turn to the books of faith I grew up with because I no longer believed in them. So I'm giving you a visual of as low as it gets, because I remember waking up and going through a divorce. I couldn't even function in my business. I had to actually give my business up because I could no longer operate it because I was literally losing my mind. And I began therapy, uh, deep immersive therapy going now on, gosh, eight years strong. And I learned quite a bit through going through that process and in one particular session, my therapist said I literally lost my mind. I kind of like was there with my eyes open and was like spaced out and zoned out. That's that's the level of cluelessness I had at, as to how to process. And, and I was at that time a CEO. I had multiple agents working for me on, in a real estate brokerage. Sorry, that's my background. Mm-hmm. And I had been in the business for then nine years. And I think part of what I want to share today is that all of these things had to happen, obviously, to get me to where I am now and to serve and to help in the way that I serve now. And so I want to, at some point, segue later on to that. But just to kind of finish up the story. So what happens is you get announced from the platform once the men in the congregation is d- determine that you are needing to be you know, formally announced as no longer in the faith. And then right after that happens, you immediately can't speak to anybody. So you physically stand up because you have to be present for the announcement. That's one of the other rules. And it's at, it's at that moment that you literally cannot speak to anybody that you've known and associated with for the last X amount of years. You'll hear a couple of elderly women cry because it represents this, you know, the death of their like, you know, adopted son, so to speak, in the congregation. And then I drove home alone and my wife had to actually be there uh, at the meeting to talk to everybody after about the, the tragic news, you know. So it's um, profoundly ostracizing and agonizing, to say the least. And going through that process, I would say I'm only getting to the point of being okay with mourning the death of loved ones who are alive. It's taken me the full seven years that the medical community now diagnoses PTSD for religious trauma related to shunning. And I wish, Bob, that I could tell you I did it in five. I wish I could tell you the story that I did it in four, but it took me the whole damn seven, brother. And I'm here and I'm kicking ass and I'm very thankful for the position that I'm in in life right now. But um, that's just the general overview of the story. Okay, so first question I have then is, I like how you phrase this, and, and I think this is something important. I want to make sure everyone, going back to when you first started this story, which is you built your existence around what you knew. And I think that's a huge thing. And I and I think that obviously plays into everything that happened with you in, in this story. And by the way, guys, if you're, if you're listening or watching this, um, I, I truly hope that you're like, listening as enthralled like even the second time or third time maybe i've I've heard this um i'm still just like man like i i can't possibly fathom what that was like for you um and so all we you know and i would imagine most people watching listening this probably can't either and so you built your existence around what you know and i think so many of us whether it be in our business in our life um even not even in a specifically in a religious context or even a cult context we build our existence around what we know and i think sometimes that's actually the biggest part of us getting in our own way is because we um how did you uh, yeah you said we don't leave space for the possibility that we could learn so i'd love to i'd love to 
understand more about your mindset of leaving that space. Cause I'm, I'm going to make an assumption here that in the context of your conversations with yourself about what would it mean to not believe in this? What if this wasn't the case? What if there is more out there that I need to know? What if I don't believe this? Um, you, you had to create space for that conversation in a, in a situation in which they demanded you don't do that. Like literally it's almost, I would say probably against the, the doctrine to do something of that nature. And so how did you, how did you work that internally? Like, like, did you, you have like boxes that you put things in your mind? Like, Hey, I'm going to take this down and examine it. And then we're going to put it away later. Or I'd love to know more about how that worked for you. Yeah. So Bob, there's two divisions of the entire way to even address that question. The first one is what do I now know is the neuroscience, cognitive behavioral therapy, psychology, combination of what's actually happening to literally answer the question. And then there's the more functional one, which would be most beneficial for now, which is literally how I did it prior to knowing all that stuff. And what that was, was for me, pretty simple. You have to actively preach when you are up in this faith. And I said to myself, man, Am I going to be able to really fake this on that level every single day coming home to my wife, talking about this belief that I'm starting to not believe in? And then also, do I have the guts to actually proselyze and promote and recommend this lifestyle to other people? I think the answer, Bob, would be radical accountability. It was like, I've seen the logical sequence of this now. It does not line up to me. Hmm. So then it was a very slow, painful process to evolve into a space where the inauthenticity was so strong within me of like, I can't spend the rest of my life doing something that feels inauthentic to me that I genuinely feel is this or that way. And so at that time, that is all I had to work with. You know, I don't think I really knew much more than just the math of like, seriously, every day with these doubts and with this level of BS, I have to make a big move here. And it took me, let's be clear, from the time that I felt very deeply uncomfortable about where I was, what I was doing, and the life that I'd created for myself. And just to quantify it, guys, I was 33 years old when I officially left and didn't come back, okay? And I just turned 40, so it's been seven years, actually, since I've been out. And um, only during that whole time did I go back and figure out what it takes to make these type of radical changes. But I guess the reason I'm diving into this, Bob, is that if all somebody's got right now is that resolute mind, heart, gut feeling, like I need to go excel in business, I need to leave this person that I'm with that's toxic, I know that I have to be a better communicator, I'm going to fail in my relationships. If that's all you got, you're somewhere already, and it just might take a certain fundamental amount of courage to literally just walk in that direction and, and just make it happen. So I know that that sounds just like motivational woo-woo stuff. No, I think that's perfect. I, so so let, let me let me summarize. You're sitting there and you're like, hey, this fundamentally doesn't align with my belief of the world anymore and what I want for myself. Um, and as you said, your, your mind, your heart, and your gut were all aligned in a di- direction other than where you were going. And I think yes. for, I think for a lot of people, it's rare for us to have that. And I think when all three are saying the same thing, we have to stop and listen and say, why, why is this happening? Why am I feeling, uh, you know, feeling this emotionally? Why am I logically doing this? And there's a ton of science now talking about our gut being a second brain that communicates more to what we're actually thinking than we even we've ever realized before. And so when all three of those are saying the same thing, we have no choice but to stop and listen. And, and I would argue that it would almost be impossible not to because you've got the three major portions of your conscious uh, awareness saying, hey, hang on a second. This doesn't this doesn't add up. 
And so I think that's massively powerful. Now, um, I would love to know more about the fear because I'm, I'm sure there has to have been fear in there for you of, you know, fear of loss, fear of losing everything, you know, but not just that, but fear of the unknown on the other side. Um, and how did you handle this fear? Bob, at first I didn't. Um, at first I was crushed, destroyed, done. I remember this specific phrase that I lived in as far as fear. And it's a unique phrase. Uh, it was a proven loser is how I felt. I felt like I had unequivocally proven that I just had wealth. I don't have it now. I don't have my wife. I don't have friends. Literally, I don't have a single friend. I mean that literally. I'm in my 30s. I'm a has-been, like factually speaking. And then here's the worst part. The habituation of praying to a God three times a day for decades that has disowned me formally and notified me of it publicly in front of the congregation. So I'm a failure before God's eyes. There is no one to turn to. I was trained from infancy and shaped my subconscious mind to believe that that which I am is the greatest form of failure, which is to disappoint the God that I was raised to worship. My own father and mother can't call me because of their faith and because of their belief structure. How else am I to conclude there is a reason to continue life? On what basis? Because again, a worldly pursuit only equates to furtherance of Satan's system of things. And I'm, un, and I'm, I'm classically uneducated in the academic realm at that particular time. And so I can't just go like get a job, but now I have to be a leader by trying to like become a CEO again and build a successful business. The impossibility was atrocious. Now, the reason I was able to begin to rebuild was the answer being brick by brick, step by step. Okay. And I decided to rent out the upstairs and downstairs of my split level property that I owned. And it just so happened they were both young entrepreneurial men that became lifelong friends of mine. And they would go on to help kind of get me going and get me moving. And even my old love of music came back. And would you believe that we graduated in our relationship to the point where I would perform acoustically in the living room for them and they would rate my skill level based on whether it was, you know, a campfire level performance, a club <laughs> level performance or like an arena. Right. And I never got good enough to be in the arena, but but I started to improve. And so they helped me. And so this is a very critical point, I think, is that. You have to let people around you help you, right? That's part of one way to start moving when you're that stuck is be vulnerable. And Bob, you do an amazing job, one that I admire and that I want to emulate in my own life of being willing to show people this is what I'm working on and being open to the universal concept of things being attracted to you to help you. And here I am with these two roommates that have this amazing creative dynamic energy because they're entrepreneurs. And they start building me up, pointing out ways that I can move towards my original passion, which was music, right? And I was offered a record deal at 19, but had to turn it down because of my cult background. And so I missed my calling. As that. By, the, by the way, you're, I listened to your album um, and loved it. So Love just, just going to say, you guys should check it out. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's Justin Cross, and make sure you get the right guy, because there's another guy that also plays acoustic guitar, but try to... He's campfire level, bro. Campfire level. <laughs> well played. That's hilarious, Bob. Um, yeah. So, so those are the common denominators on that. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So you, so you connect with these people, these entrepreneurs, you know, almost as though fate maybe was aligning it for you to happen that way, um, which is, I think, awesome, by the way. Um, you. And you start to rebuild. So now when we met, you had already kind of I don't want to say come back out of it because maybe that's not not totally true, but you had, you started reaching other pinnacles of success in various aspects of your life. So, what was the rebuilding process looking like? Sure. What 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 walk me through going from 
you know, getting rating for a you know, campfire, you know, to arena and and then meeting these guys and saying, okay, I I can do this to my, you know, I can do this for myself and whatever that I need to. Yeah, and and so and you were you had asked about fear, and so I was still slowly breaking down the barrier of that fear. You know, like what about if I never can rebuild? What about if if you know, becoming a worldly person is going to kill me on Armageddon, on Judgment Day. I mean, profound fear, man. Let's be honest. Let's be real. It was in profound fear. I will say directly that therapy helped me, you know, talking, going to go see a therapist, obviously. But what ended up happening, Bob, is I went to a few open mic nights. And so I just said, one thing I like to do is play this guitar. Let me just just express myself. And so I got a couple of compliments. I got a couple of things. Next thing I know, my roommate... How, how small of a world is this? My ex-roommate, who's now one of the best artists, physical media artists in all of the Carolinas, his name is Kyle. One of his best friends, actually two, the two best friends that flew out to do my first record. One is Brady Watt, who now is doing everything from bass guitar for Dr. Dre and also just did a mashup of the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Flea himself, like shouted out how amazing that is. And then Decap is on the Billboard Top 10 for uh, his Drums That Knock production. Those gentlemen were then still on the come up. This is going back now five, six years. They flew out on Kyle's recommendation after hearing some of my music, and they recorded tracks that would then set in motion a trigger of events that would bring me all the way out to LA where I would sell my property on the East coast, move to Los Angeles and only get this only within a year of being in Los Angeles. I had released a single called fiction of the mind that got picked up by Grammy magazine. And there was an editor writing for Grammy magazine that just simply liked the track. And I get this text like, dude, you're in Grammy magazine. You know, like what? <laughs> and next thing you know, I was offered to play all different types of venues, like opening up for some really big bands in Los Angeles. And then I got to score a feature film, which is now on Amazon Prime. And so I was able to dig back into my passion. And what was even more like humbling was that with my limited level of technical talent, because I'd only had a little bit of time to develop it later in life, it's like the synchronicity of putting out the right energy can still make you feel fulfilled because wouldn't you believe that when I was on a movie set for a gentleman, I flew out to LA to visit the first time. That's when I got the relationships for when I actually finally moved there by being on set, I was both in the movie and then they listened to my music and then they wanted me to score their entire film. Awesome. We've got picked up by Gravitas, Gra Gravitas Ventures and is now on Amazon Prime. And so it's just so uh, amazing how if you just allow yourself to make these incremental steps. And again, the first one was just being able to perform in my living room. Right. And, and also remember, Bob, I wasn't making any money doing this. Right. Like there wasn't any big money involved here, but the level of fulfillment was incredible off the charts. And it, it, like I said, it propelled me to move all the way to the West Coast. And then I got to get into fashion through actually a chance encounter through music and, and everything. I met a gentleman who was like, hey, listen, I'm going to open up a men's custom clothing company, high fashion on West Hollywood on Sunset Strip. And I said, listen, here's the deal. I have a business background. I used to be the CEO of this company. These are all the functions that I can do. How can I help you? Because I love fashion. That's all I knew is I love fashion. And I love suits because I was raised, you know, wearing suits. Okay. Right. But I wanted to wear some badass suits. <laughs> of course. Right. And so we teamed up and we did extremely well. And that's how I actually supported myself in Los Angeles was being a custom clothier. I was building suits for, you know, you, I guess you would say successful people. Right. And Bob, would you believe, and I want you, I want to create this visual for you. When I was at my worst, I was cursing God. I was roll, I was on the floor and I, I just called out to God and the devil and said, if you clowns are real, show yourself to me because I'm done with fear because I'm so low, right? Show yourself. What are you? 
if you're there. And so I was all the way that far alone that I was looking to just come face to face with whatever's there, even if it meant my life. And I was, I was asking and begging for it. And then a few years later, I want to, I want to show this connection. I'm making the suits for Bill Maher, who created one of the documentaries that was one of the key reasons I left my cult religion. It's a documentary called Religalist. And I was able to congratulate him and speak with him. And he said, hey, you know, thank you. It's the 10-year anniversary of releasing that. I said, I know. And so I got to be all the way there in Hollywood working with this gentleman and a bunch of other names that I can drop in, in the celebrity space. But why do I tell you that? Is it to show off? No. It's to say for a kid that came from where I came from and had such a small circle of people, it means a lot to me to be able to go experience this universe of influencers and big money makers and really successful people. And I also simply bring that up for one other reason, in case anyone else is lying on the floor right now going, when am I going to break through and, and take care of this challenge? Is it ever going to happen? This transformation, let me quantify it for you. It took years, probably from the time I was on the, the plywood screaming out to God and Satan using profanity to both of them because I wanted either one of them to come show up and just make a move because I was so sick of not knowing. Right. And then all the way in Hollywood, regularly interfacing in the Hollywood Hills scene, going to parties that you have to sign NDAs that you can't even talk about. And even <laughs> as I segued into coaching Bob and consulting, I got to work with some of the most beautiful minds in that space. And that's where I learned that fulfillment is really a big issue with people that have everything because they've got everything but fulfillment. And, and so that, that kind of journey and that transition um, one of the magic ingredients is just time. That's awesome. So let's talk about that. You know, you said you work with a lot of folks who have everything by the standard definitions of having everything or in whatever context that might be taken as, mm -hmm. um, but they still don't feel fulfilled. Um, and I think that's interesting because I think that lack of fulfillment, at least from what I'm hearing from you, is a core reason of why you are where you are today. You were in this religious and you weren't fulfilled. And it's something that made you question a lot of things. And then you started this journey of how can I start to get there? And it's been, it, clearly it's been a journey for sure. Um, so, you know, when, when we, when we look at someone who has everything, when we look at someone who by definition is successful, um, but they don't feel fulfilled, how can they get unstuck? What can they do? Um, so that, you know, and by the way, if you're listening or watching this right now and you're like, I don't have everything, you still might be stuck nonetheless, right? But the point of asking this question, I think, is at the end of the day, even if you have everything, people can still feel stuck. And even if you don't have everything and you're feeling stuck, I think the answer is probably going to be the same because at the end of the day, the stuckness is not related to the success. At least I would think so. But I'm, I'm, I want to hear your perspective on that. Bob, you nailed it. And I'll start by telling you the moment that I obsessively went down the path of decoding what it would take for someone to really break through to true fulfillment. And it was in the moment that I was most successful in Hollywood, where I had something happen that triggered me to understand that I will never break through to the fulfillment that I'm seeking until I unpack this. And so here's what happened. I was literally, I want just visualize the techniques or, or the technicalities of this moment. I'm in, on Doheny Drive in Beverly Hills on my way to a VIP party that's a luxury event in a $3,000 custom suit in my brand new car. And I'm driving to the party, okay? Winning, right? That's <laughs> winning for me, the cult kid who doesn't know anybody and I'm on the VIP list, okay? So who cares, right? You guys are like, this guy's obnoxious. When does he say something relevant with this story? <laughs> I pull over on the side of the road and start crying. Now, here's what I mean by crying. Tears are coming out of my eyes, and I physically see them hitting my fancy pants, my Super 150s, for you custom clothing nerds out there. <laughs> and 
I'm like, why is this happening? What is happening? I feel emotions. I am out of control of what is happening with something. And so I called a friend who was also raised in the same cult environment I was. She said, you know, JC, you got to remember something. We were raised to believe in a scripture that would say something like store up treasures in heaven, but not upon earth. And that the showy display of one's means of life originates not with the father, but that of the devil and other things like this. And so here's the point. The scriptures don't matter here. The point is I associated success with shame. Mm. And that's when I began an obsessive dive down the idea that we can think something and feel something else. I think I'm very successful. I feel horrible. I think I love my significant other. I feel like there's a massive disconnect and we don't have a good relationship. I really want to find the person of my dreams, but they're all taken. That's how I really feel. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what is this disconnect? Why does it even exist? And how do I justify what's actually truth? And so, now is it, sorry, is this disconnect between the, the brain and the heart? Is that where you're saying this disconnect exists? Like your feelings, your emotions, and what your logical brain is telling you um, from what you see in your experience of the world? Is that is that what you mean? I would say that however you want to biologically map it, it's the disturbing fact that you can be conscious of thinking something and feeling the opposite. Okay. And once you map out enough of the pieces of your life where you're like, I really do feel like I'm doing the best I can, but also feel like you're not doing the best you can. Now you're entering this general space of a tortured existence. (laughs) And now you're what's called suffering. You're moving into a state of suffering. And the worst part of the way the neuroscience of the brain works is that your brain is continuously designed to protect you. And so it triggers what I call subconscious belief patterns that enforce all of these thoughts, right? So why do I have the shame? about the success and then all these other things are triggered and what those things do is push us into a state of additional suffering and now we're not able to access the fulfillment because we're busy processing and and there's a there's a beautiful ex-monk called don dupani and he shines a light on the idea that your energy flows to where your conscious flows you know so if you're thinking about something there's actual energy attached to it And what I do in my presentations is I do a quick thing where I show people how, depending on what you think about, if I asked you to like think about the most recent wedding that you went to and what it looked like, you'd access a part of your brain, your energy flows there. And then if I said, hey, what do you notice about this podcast right now? You access a different part of your brain, but your energy flows to each space. And so where is your energy when you're trying to get unstuck And you're sending mixed signals to the universe that sound like this. I really have no idea if I'm capable of doing this new thing. I want to do this new thing. Hmm. I really think that it's possible for me to have this incredible relationship I want to have. The truth is I know I'm a piece of shit. (laughs) When you put together this batch of mixed signals and offer it up to the universe, regardless of your religious background, regardless of where you're coming from on this planet Earth, you will start to see, this goes back to our original earlier conversation, the accountability, there will be a direct correlation to the amount of fulfillment or the reality that you perceive to be the truth of your existence once you map it backwards. So once you've mapped it backwards and you say, well, Jesus, so when I was pulled over on that road, once I thought about it enough and started unpacking enough, and once I learned what I know now, I was able to determine this is so many layers of subconscious programming from when I was younger. And the other profound thing, Bob, was realizing the awareness of everything I just said. 
is not enough. Mm, okay. You, you, do you have a question or a thought? No, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. I'm, I'm very into this. Sure. And so I, I have questions, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep letting you go for now. Well, sure. And so the main thing that I've discovered through doing this work, and let's have a fun, sarcastic moment between us. Nobody wants you to teach them mindset. Let's just smile and laugh <laughs> about that, right? Yeah. The people First, who need it the most are the ones who don't think they need it. Exactly, right? And we're, we're in a world where there's so much overeducation, so much self-help, right? Everyone's saying you got to meditate. You, you got to go to these retreats. You got to read self-help books. You got to put audio recordings and all this different stuff and all these ideas. And so we're exhausted on the subject. And let's also be very honest with people listening to this. People have tried mindset-related stuff. And as they perceive to be their reality, it hasn't worked. And so there's a certain amount of allergic reaction to, wait a minute, you're telling me there's a deeper way to do it. You're telling me there's an actual framework. You're telling me there's a time-tested, proven way to really map out what it's going to take to get there. And so that resistance is an intelligible place to be. And I, I would not knock anyone for that. And my own arrogance, when I experienced this shame that I was experiencing and this disconnect between thoughts and feelings, I just figured I could think it through. And I could say, because I'm aware of that trauma, that's enough. And that's where society's at. We think that's enough and it's not. And what I'm seeing constantly with the individuals that are in my <clears throat> coaching program is there's common denominators about even the most wildly successful people that frankly don't care how much coaching costs or consulting costs. That's the reason I'm bringing that up is so that people can level set and understand that these people are just trying to figure out how to break through. And I want to share a couple of the most common ways, if that's all right with you, 100%. that I consider to be next level, right? So one of the next level things I've noticed is that people aren't truly, and this is going to sound anticlimactic, but hang with me. They're not truly inspired. Here's what that means. So if I said to you, what are you really passionate about? You'd list off a lot of things, right? You're passionate about all these different things, right? You can see them behind you in your photo, right? In your, in your background there. There's a lot of things you're passionate about, right? And then we start looking at just for quantification these are my sister's things so she's oh, very passionate about these things gotcha. okay, <laughs> i love wonder woman yeah you know how you know how i roll yeah <laughs> and so most people have a lot of diverse passions but what are you truly inspired by which simply means this read the definition of inspired it's called as if by spirit and so again regardless of your faith expression what is it that gets you out of bed and naturally motivates you to be pulled towards it. And so the key question is, are you in that state? And how often are you in that state genuinely? And even within that, which you've identified as to the broad thing of what you're inspired by, are you daily performing the habits within what you love that are most suited to you maintaining that inspired state? And so just that is a microcosm of one example. When we unpack that, people find out that even though they're aware of all these different things about their mindset, they're first of all, not an inspired state. Okay. So, so that's one facet of what's draining their life energy. So they feel down. Now here would be another one. There's a rampant, I would say movement going on of people understanding the idea of what's now become a mainstream phrase, limited beliefs, right? We've started to really hear this whole idea of limited beliefs. Here's what I've found in coaching people. You're going to find this so fascinating. Number one, they're mostly terrible at identifying their limiting belief. I would agree. Mostly terrible. Okay. And here's how you can find this out very quickly. There's an old ancient Middle Eastern uh, subset of, of teachings that boiled something down to the idea of constantly asking the word why after somebody says something, right? And so I incorporate that in part of my coaching where I'm basically saying, okay, you have this limiting belief, but why? And you start unpacking that. You get all these subconscious beliefs. So the first part is they're bad at actually identifying how they actually think about things that actually bother them. So you had this traumatic thing in your past. Okay, that's great that you're aware of it. So you have awareness. That's step one. You have awareness this thing happened. But how did it show up as a meaning in your life? 
Hmm. How is it actively when you wake up in the morning? Let's see if we can't figure out the specific ways that that meaning has attached a way that your energy is being affected on a database. Next thing you know, we have seven very well articulated subconscious belief patterns associated with this traumatic event. Okay, now here's what's interesting. Yes, sir. Really no. like how, how it's manifesting itself into your real life. Bingo. But also, but also again, just on the, on the very specific clarity, the awareness of this is how you actually think. It's the idea that not just did this traumatic event happen, you now feel and you think, I might not be good enough. I might have this damage that I have to overcome. So then there's this heightened awareness of, oh, I'm at, it's not just this traumatic event that happened. I still think all of this stuff right here. Okay, so now people are really, really poor at being able to reauthor or what they call in this mind space that I'm in, we call it rewiring and, and, and NLP and other practices teach it as this or that, right? What I've noticed is, I, I, I'll give you an example. There's a woman that's a Fortune 100 executive and leads men. She's a feminist. And guess what she feels guilty for every day? Leading men. Hmm. Wrap your brain around that. <laughs> right. And the answer is because she was raised in a misogynistic very close to a cult upbringing. So what's the point of what am I talking about? The second piece of the rewiring process, her hands were physically shaking when she had to make a decision that men thrive under her leadership. Wow. That is how hard this winner, this warrior, this fighter, this power feminism, feminist, who's just a beautiful soul, she has mastered the art of dealing with men in a public environment. It was next to impossible for her to imagine an existence in which she actually truly believed that men thrive in her leadership. And she'd gotten two raises in less than 365 days. And so what is, what is the crystal clear point here? It's that second quadrant of reauthoring to engage the reticular activating system that also dictates our central nervous system to lock in on that which we really want to harvest, believe, and become part of our empathetic expression and our energetic expression. People are really, really challenged in not just identifying limiting beliefs, but also rewiring as to what they will be. And then here's the final quadrant. The most I'm just talking about the most common things that I see that are the massive breakthroughs is not having a way to trust, to capture and prove to yourself that your new belief structure works. Okay. And so even if, so even if I've identified what's bothering me or a limiting belief, if I've reauthored it, the problem, the breakdown happens in the science gap of saying, here's enough structure of knowledge base and enough implementation of ritual to actually start to believe what you've authored. And going back to the illustration of that feminist woman that identifies self, she self identifies as a feminist. I'm not just sort of like making that up arbitrarily. Right, right. She had to actually track this for a few months, which, which is why the program is a few months long. The average, if you Google it, takes 66 days to implement a new habit or a new way of thinking. And some people, it shows up in six days. Some people, it shows up in 18 days. Some people, it shows up in, you know, a matter of months. But they start to actually see their world bend to the reality of that which they've hyper-focused on. I call it building what's called a conviction matrix in my program. And so, Bob, the reason I'm explaining all that to you is I want people today to just be challenged. There's 19 facets of what I teach. Two of them today that I wanted to focus on was being inspired you know, being called towards that which you love every day naturally so that you get up and want to do it. And secondly, be okay with the idea that taking the action on the mindset stuff regarding the limiting beliefs, the ability to author new rewired concepts that are crystal clear and the ability to actually have a way for you yourself, forget about the gurus, forget about the coaches, forget about us. How are you going to prove to your own self? What is your container of evidence? 
What's your methodology to track your progress on that which you're now stepping into? So those are like some just two of the 19 sort of compartmental things I think for today that are the most common that I see over and over and over again in clientele. So hopefully that can at least help people somehow. 100% know it will. Like I know, I know just even some of what you're talking about resonated me, especially if I go back and I, I think about, you know, my divorce and then post-divorce and um, even just some of the business things that I've had to deal with. Like there's always been this, these questions and these limiting beliefs that um, until I started doing some work and I still know that I have many, many more that I'm working on. Um, But like you said, awareness is not enough. And I think we do ourselves a disservice by talking about about that. Like, well, yeah, I know that's a thing. Okay. Well, what are you doing about it? How are you actually taking action on it? And I think that's a huge thing. So um, I think that's massive. And for all of you listening or watching, I hope, um, of course, the great thing about this being recorded is you can go back and rewatch it at any point in time or re-listen to it again. Um, I would highly encourage you to go back and re-listen to this again. Think about what that means for you. Take some notes and start implementing what he just gave you because that's just literally straight gold right there, I think, um, especially for getting out of your own way. Dude, um, well, we're, we're uh, well, almost 50 minutes right now, so um, I want to be respectful of everyone else's time and yours. And just first and foremost, thank you, man. It's always a pleasure to, to converse with you. Every time we've talked, every single time, I leave feeling a better person than I did before, no matter what we talk about, even if it's just shooting the shit about something random. Um, so I, I appreciate your energy and the vibe that you give off. I hope everyone else can appreciate it as much as I do. And hey, if not, that's that's your loss. <laughs> um but dude, so thank you for being on. Truly appreciate it. Oh, it's a joy and an honor, Bob. Thank you. I'm so excited for everything you're doing. Yeah. And so if people want to check you out, learn more about you and what you got going on, where can they do that? Uh, probably my website, just justincross.com. And if people even want to have a consult with me, don't hesitate. My calendar's open to uh, do, do a you know 30-minute consult with people to see how some of this stuff could actually help them in their life. I think that's awesome. And I think it's a gener- very generous offer as well. So um, check it out, justincross.com. As always, everyone, thank you for being on the show, watching, listening, wherever you are consuming this. Truly appreciate it. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, the goal of this show is to get out there and help more people. Um, as as uh, Andy Frisella always says, there is a price for listening to this episode and the price is that you share it with one person that you know, because when we share, it shows that we care. I'm going to about to bust out some Care Bear stuff here, like shoot out little hearts from my chest if I have to, whatever it takes. But uh, I love helping people and I can't do that unless each and every one of you watching, listening this, um, let other people know about it and that you enjoyed it. So, um, and also by doing so shows, hey, gratitude and appreciation to our guests like Justin who are on as well. So thank you again for being here, Justin. Truly appreciate it. Thank you all for watching and listening. We'll see you guys on another show real soon. This podcast is sponsored by 3 Degrees Consulting. If you need funnels, websites, paid ads management, or help with any of your digital marketing, 3 Degrees Consulting is your go-to source for everything. Check them out at www.go3dc.com. That's G-O, the number three, D is in degrees, C is in consulting.com. Go check them out right now.